What's your favorite way to learn? I like graphic novels because I can see who's talking. My grandma reads the newspaper to me. I like movies on TV. I play learning games on my dad's tablet. I like reading plain old regular books with lots of detail. This is Worlds Awaiting, helping children read, write, see, speak, think, and listen. Here's our host, Rachel Wada. Regular listeners will know I have shared some of my favorite dog books here at Rachel's World. So as not to be accused of favoring one species, today I'd like to share with you some of my favorite cat books. Without a doubt, in the history of children's literature, no cat is more famous than the cat in the hat. The cat first came on the scene in 1957, and he's been a staple ever since. Because how can you not love a cat who makes such mischief but cleans it all up in the end? Another classic cat book won the Newbery Honor Award in 1929. Millions of Cats by Wanda Gag tells the story of a lonely couple who decide to get a cat. Traveling to find the perfect pet, the man stumbles across a hillside covered in cats. Cats here, cats there, cats and kittens everywhere, hundreds of cats, thousands of cats, millions and billions and trillions of cats. So what's a couple to do when they have trillions of pets to choose from? Well, you'll just have to read the book to find out what happens. A more modern cat who has hit the children's literature world in a big way started out wearing shoes instead of a hat. Pete the Cat, who was featured in his first book, I Love My White Shoes by Eric Litwin, is one of the grooviest felines out there. Pete, who loves his white shoes, finds that they change colors when he walks through different things. But no matter the color of his shoes, Pete still loves them, and Pete never loses his cool. Pete, with his gangly limbs and cool attitude, has been featured in many more books, and he even has his own series of early readers for children who are ready to read more independently. And because we can't close without offering a novel and a little poetry, let me recommend Hate That Cat, a novel in verse by Sharon Creech. Jack despises the big black cat in his neighborhood, and when his own kitten disappears, their relationship gets even worse. But as cats are known to do, this one weaves himself into Jack's life and helps him to deal with some of the other big issues he's facing. So if you're a cat lover, or even if you're not, I hope you'll check out some of these great cat books on our recommendation here at Rachel's World. Mothers have a great influence over their children. But let's talk today about fathers. Children who like to read, boys or girls, say they saw a male adult in their life, a father, grandfather, or even an older sibling, reading regularly. Three generations meet with Rachel today to talk about this very thing. Gene Nelson, director of the Provo City Library, his son Trent, who is a teacher in a local middle school, and Trent's nine-year-old son, Lincoln. We're going to put a face, three faces actually, on this intergenerational dynamic. Here's Rachel with Jean, Trent, and Lincoln Nelson. We are excited to welcome the Nelson family today. We've got like three generations of Nelsons in the room, and we're going to chat a little bit about reading and boys and grandfathers and fathers and how this all works and be able to just get some insight from this this wonderful family generation of readers. So welcome all. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel. The logistics of getting all three of us together in one spot on a Monday, a snowy Monday, was quite daunting. I totally agree. <laughs> totally agree. When I woke up this morning and saw how snowy it was, I thought, I hope they don't cancel. So. 
it was a no. good good thing. So thank you all for coming out. You're welcome. Yeah. So why don't you just kind of introduce us introduce us to yourselves just a little okay. bit? So we'll go around the table and just tell us a little bit about who you are, and then maybe just some context of um, your profession or other sure. things that you think might be interesting for our listening audience. Okay, I'm Gene Nelson. I'm the director at the Provo City Library. I've been there for about 20 years. I've been librarian for almost 39 years. Ah. And uh, had the wonderful opportunity to serve on the Newberry Award Committee this year. To my left is? Uh, my name is Trent uh, Nelson, of course, and I am Gene's uh, oldest son, and I've been teaching 7th grade, 8th and ninth grade English, creative writing and mythology up at Timberline Middle School in Alpine. I've been doing that for the last 12 years. Excellent. And the youngest member? My name is Lincoln Nelson, and um, I'm Trent's um, youngest son, and I um, go at Shelley Elementary up in American Fork. Excellent. Well, we are so glad to have you all here. So let's start with Eugene. Tell us a little bit about your family and why you found reading important as part of your family. Now, as a librarian, I can definitely see some connections there. But beyond that, why do you think reading and books were an important part of your family sure. life? You know, I think a lot of it, uh, a lot of it started for me without having a long, long story is uh, my dad was not a real big reader. Um, I would catch him reading some Louis L'Amour. He read the paper every morning. And so that was a, a signal for me as well. But my mom, who was a high school dropout uh, as a sophomore, and she got married at 16, and I shortly came after that, and my mom was a huge reader. And so it became a, a real part of my life. And Trent was our firstborn. And I remember he, we were here at BYU, and... Um, Wanting to pass on how important reading was to me, but we were young parents. We didn't have a clue what we were doing like most parents. But what was important to us was to read to him every night, and we did that. It was also important to make sure that he had books of his own. And um, he certainly saw us reading. Little did we know, little did I know, that years later, research would point out that the three major things that will help a child read is to read every day, is to have books, materials, and magazines and comic books around the house or home, and number three, the important factor of that child or the children seeing the male and female role models in their life reading for pleasure and having fun, crying, laughing, uh, just so engaged that uh, it becomes something that they want to do. I really love that sense of having those kinds of role models. So, Trent, when you're talking about this, how did that role model impact you, particularly seeing your dad as a reader, not just seeing your mom as a reader, but how did that impact you to help you become the reader that you are today and then also the professional teacher that you are today? Yeah, I think it it had a lot to do with it. Um, And I'll admit, I I have no doubt mom and dad read to me a lot when I was a kid, but... um, even stronger uh, memories I have were of seeing my dad read. And there were some books I remember us reading together. But I think really early on I was an independent reader, and I think a lot of it's because I saw my dad reading. And that was just part of what I figured was expected um, of me growing up was to read. And I saw that he loved to read. Um, 
I remember, and, as, and I'm sure it helped that he was a librarian as well. Um, one of my earliest, strongest memories of librarian is when dad would uh, turn the library into a haunted house for the elementary school. And, uh, and I just, libraries were just a fun, magical place for me. So I love going. I love seeing books. Um, but I think that was a, a lot of it. Seeing mom and dad read a lot um, gave me the confidence I had to also read a lot on my own. So particularly when we talk about kind of male identity and masculine identity, I think sometimes there is this disconnect between reading and loving to read and a masculine identity. So how did you think, particularly as you grew up with reading, did that help you kind of maybe overcome some of the stereotypes that might have prevented you from being a reader? Uh, probably did help a little bit, I think. I, I, I'm tempted to turn to Lincoln Let's here. do. Let's bring our, him in. Our nine-year-old. Real quick. So what do you think, Lincoln? Is, is reading a, a cool thing for boys to do? Yeah, it helps you um, get bright ideas in your head, and you can write little stories about stuff that you want to write about. And you can, you can write anything you want. It can give you bright ideas. It can give you cool stuff in your mind to write, to write this right down on a piece of paper. And... Probably when you grow up, maybe you will be a writer if you write if you read a lot and my age. And if you write a lot, then me, that means you'll probably be a writer and a, probably a reader too. Excellent. That's a great answer. Lincoln, what do you think? Are there certain kinds of books that are only for boys and only for girls? Or is any book for anybody? Any book is for anybody that wants to read it. Because any book that... People just want to read, and if other people say you can't read that, you can just read it, because if you want to read, like, fantasy, science fiction, then you can just pick up a book in your library or pick up a book in your own library at your house, and you can just read it. You have a lot of wisdom, Lincoln, that you're a very smart young man, <laughs> because I think that's the right answer. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Gene, do you agree with that answer? I mean, there, a lot of people don't think that. They think there are boys' books and there are girls' books. But to me, Lincoln has the true wisdom that it, oh, I anything think, is for anybody. <laughs> I, I, hate, I hate to say that I agree with, with Lincoln. on it much. Of, oh, see, we're going to get into a fist right right now. Um, no, I think he's right on. You know, it's, I think there are a lot of books that are written for a boy audience. And a lot of books written for a girl audience. But certainly I know of both boys and girls that read cross-genders. And um, I think it's valuable. I think it's helpful for everybody. Um, I found myself on the Newberry Committee reading a lot of books this year that were aimed at a girl audience. And, uh, you know, inevitably those are the ones that really have stuck with me this year. They just seem to have a depth to them. I think sometimes authors um, and publishers make the mistake of thinking boys want just action and zombies and car races, which are helpful. Any any good book is going to be made better by zombies and car races. Well, and girls can want zombies and, and car exactly. races too. So. And, and I think the other side of the coin, I think there's too many that think, well, girls just want to have – uh, humorous relationship books. And that's not always the case either. And I love the idea that Lincoln has uh, put forward that, you know, if you like a book, if you like a character, the idea, who cares? Who cares who the main character is? I think it's terrific. Yeah. Well, you know, I think um, there might be a, a, a bit of a dip, a valley when it comes to when, when kids get to about junior high age. Um, at that point, boys are 
um, hypersensitive about, uh, you know, their being masculine. And I think what I've noticed as a teacher, at least, is that um, there are two types of boys. They're the boys who may not be quite comfortable with reading yet. Um, they may not be up to reading level. Um, or they may be, but at, you know, at that point, they're, they're they're a little more concerned with putting on that image, and it's hard. There's the other group of boys who got who pushed past that already, mm-hmm. and they love to read no matter what the others are doing. And I think I think girls, going back to the the um, genres um, and genders, I think that girls are better at reading um, boy um, boy books than boys are at reading girl mm-hmm. books. I think that probably changes in high school as they kind of grow out of that. Mm-hmm. That insecurity. Yeah. I've seen a little bit of that as a teacher. No, Rachel. Yeah. Uh, let me pipe up on on the on the idea of the male role model, the adult r- male role model, and um, r- our research has shown that when a child, a boy or a girl, has a male role model, that they are going to be more apt to pick up reading. And uh, you and I both have opportunities to teach in the elementary ed department um, over at BYU. And inevitably, my class is either 100% female or I've got one or two guys. And that's the way it is this semester. So what happens during those elementary years is largely the teachers are female. And we have some terrific teachers. Don't get me wrong. But what happens too often in that little male brain is that they are connecting reading with a feminine activity. And that's just the way those brains work. And you would think we'd be a little bit more enlightened in this 2017 age, but those are my feelings when I was growing up in the 50s and early 60s, and it's the same type of feeling. So I think it really really doubles up the importance of that male adult reader in the child's life to be seen reading, to break down some of those perceived barriers that it's a a girl activity, only girls read, only sisters read. When you see your dad, your uncle, your grandpa reading, enjoying it, carrying a book with them wherever they go, and I see Lincoln anymore every time I see him, even if they're coming over for dinner on a Sunday, he's got a book under his arm. That's a great feeling for a grandpa to see that. You know, we, we tell Lincoln to do that to so oh. increase his chances of getting more oh, books from you. looking at the yeah. inheritance factor. Yeah. Is, that, is that it? No. I oh, man, I didn't think reading. about that. You're, so, oh. you're such a cynic. Apparently, he just likes to read. <laughs> yes, yeah. I like to read. So, Lincoln, tell us, if you had one of your friends come up to you and say, oh, reading is a girl thing to do or reading is a sissy thing to do, what would you say to them? Um, I would say that some books are just meant maybe – People like that book. Maybe girls like that type of book, but uh, but boys can read it too. Excellent. I think that that is really important, and I think more kids standing up for it, right, and saying, mm-hmm. "No, this really is something I love and something I do." So, how do we go about that, particularly in that junior high age, which I agree is like for me that kind of pivotal age where a lot of this tends to start or tends to be developed. How do we encourage boys to be better readers? That's a good question. I, uh, I mean, whenever we do think about going back to junior high, it's a pretty traumatic thing for all of us, but. Um, I think a lot of it is I, I did a, a survey with some of my students. It's not a very scientific survey. Parent reviewed, so you know, not quite peer reviewed, but close. Even better. Um, yeah. <laughs> Parent review is the higher form of peer review, in my estimation. <laughs> but I, I did notice um, 
the boys who really liked to read, they also indicated who they saw reading and who influenced them to read. Um, and a big one were, was older siblings. Um, mm-hmm. The boys who liked to read had an older brother who liked to read. Well, um, and let me, so let me pipe in. Ahead, yeah. So Trent's our oldest of six. And uh, I think before he got out of diapers, he was reading. That's my memory, at least. He just took to it very quickly. And all six of our children, four boys and two girls, love to read. You know, another aspect of it is I think we push boys too hard sometimes. I don't think we recognize that reading can come in a variety of forms. Um, It can be, oh, my gosh, a comic book, which I grew up with, a graphic novel. It could be reading uh, a car manual. It could be reading uh, something about National Geographic, about a favorite animal or whatever else. It's all reading. It's all reading. I'll throw in, we teachers sometimes uh, love worksheets a little too much yep. when it comes to reading. Yeah. You know the name Jim Trulis? Oh, yes. Mr. Read Aloud yeah. Handbook Man. Yeah. And he said something that uh, you'd almost think was rocket science, but how do you grow a better reader? You have them read. It's really Simple. tough stuff. <laughs> the more you read, the better reader you become. I mean, how do you approach that, particularly, I mean, in two different ways, Trent, when you talk about your classroom and then also about your family and being able to be open to all kinds of readers? I mean, it's obvious that your young gentleman is, you know, a wide reader and he loves to read all different kinds of things. So how do you encourage that, particularly when it's not your personal favorite that's a great question. Um, I wish I was an expert at this. After 12 years, I'm still trying to figure out how to do this whole teaching thing, to be honest. But um, I think um, some ways we do that. Like Dad said, choice is really important. Uh, in some ways, that makes it harder, too. Um, boys have a hard time. I'm, I'm uh, generalizing here. Some, some of my boy students have a hard time choosing a book and sticking with it. And so I just try to encourage them, okay, Tell me about what, what are you reading right now? Um, have you tried this book? If you like that book, uh, what about this one? And just getting that out there and just making it available to them. Um, I may want to encourage them to, hey, after this one, let's try something else. Uh, let's try another one. But um, I, I don't want to take away – I don't want to give them the impression that reading is a chore and it is something that they're going to be judged and graded on all the yeah. time. Um, and that's, that's a little bit scary and I think that can sometimes kill reading. Yeah, I I definitely agree. And I think that brings up a good question. So as we close up this segment, Lincoln, tell us what is your favorite thing about reading? Um, it, Like I said, I just think up thoughtful thoughts in it. If you just need to write something down that you thought in your mind, you can just grab a piece of paper and just write it down. And that could be your beginning of your story that you're going to write. I love that. Connecting to your imagination. That's the perfect way. What about you, Trent? What What is your favorite thing about reading? Favorite thing about reading? Um, I'm sure one of my favorite things about reading is the ability to put on other shoes and to live other lives. Uh, I think it's George R.R. R. Martin, um, an author I love, who, who said, uh, the, the man who reads lives a thousand lives before he dies. The man who never reads lives only one. And so I think reading really opens up the world to me. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love that. What oh, about you, Gene? Boy, how Can you very articulate. Di- distill it down like, <laughs> oh, like your these... son and grandson did so wow, well? Wow, <laughs> how articulate. You know, I think my favorite aspect of reading is the chance that I come after a, a busy day at work 
that I can relax with a favorite book. And it's a, it's a relaxation technique for me. It's almost as good as somebody just kind of rubbing their shoulders. If I had both of them at the same time, that's really Whoa. good. Um, <laughs> but it's a way to unwind for me um, with a good fiction book. Of course, I'll have my times with nonfiction that you're really trying to take it in. But, of course, I agree with both of them, too, and I really agree with Trent as well that um, I've got this one life, but now I have been – I've been across the solar system. You know, I've, I've ridden the worms in the desert with Dune, and I've walked along with the hobbits on the way to uh, get rid of that nasty ring. I've done those type of things. I agree with all of you. I think that that expansive opening for reading is just an amazing thing. So thank you so much, Nelson family, for sharing your thoughts and insights You're with very us welcome. today. Thank you. Gene Nelson, Provo City Library Director, his son Trent, teacher at Timberline Middle School, and Trent's son, nine-year-old Lincoln, discussing the great influence a dad and other male role models can have on a boy's desire to read. Now, just to make sure we have some balance on the show today, we finish up with two mothers, Mary Warner and Michelle Wages, reviewing some of their favorite children's books that include ones they grew up with and still read to their own families. One of my favorite books is Pete the Cat by Eric Litwin. And I, some picture books are, are great, but you need to see the pictures. But Pete the Cat is one that you can tell the story, and the pictures are awesome, but you can tell the story, and it's also meaningful. Pete is a cat who is having a little bit of trouble that day. He has some white sneakers, and he's walking around singing about how much he loves his white shoes. And then he steps in something that turns them a different color, blueberries, mud, uh strawberry. I don't remember what he steps in. But he, each time he, he will go along singing, I like my white shoes, I like my white shoes, and then they turn purple. But does Pete cry? Goodness, no. Pete gets up and keeps on going on and singing his song about how he likes his blue shoes. And it's a wonderful story. I think it's engaging and fun. But it also helps children understand, maybe children who are experiencing a little anxiety or stress in their lives, that you can roll with it. And in the end, it says that Pete Pete doesn't mind because it's all good. Okay, one of my favorite books is by Jessica Day George, and it's called Dragon Slippers. And it's the first book in a series, and the main character is, is a girl. And um, she has had quite the exciting life thus far. And she lives with her aunt. And her aunt decides that she's one too many mouth to feed in their, in their house. And so there's this, there's this tale in the land that if you take a maiden to the dragon, that, that there's a dragon in their land. And if you take, this, take a fair maiden to the dragon, that a prince will come and save you. And, uh, and then... You know, it goes on from there. The prince will save you, and you'll live happily ever after. And and um, and so this is what the aunt decided to do with the with the heroine of this book. And um, unfortunately, that's just not how it turns out for her. And she bumps into this dragon, and she has this experience with these with this dragon, and 
uh, in order to be rid of her because she's kind of a pain in the neck and he doesn't want to fight any prince or anything like that. He just wants to be left alone. He decides to allow her to choose from his hoard of slippers. And she chooses these beautiful slippers. And the slippers that she chooses are very, very special. And um, these slippers take her on an amazing adventure through the entire part of her uh, part of her country and she meets up with other dragons and uh, there's a dragon war and there's all sorts of things and so I like this book because even though the heroine the, the main character and the heroine of the book is a girl there are so many things that appeal to a male reader and I think that um, having seen both my sons and my daughters read these books and having read them myself numerous times the um, there's just so much action and so much adventure that you just can't help but keep reading. And so that's why it's one of my favorites. One of my favorite books as a child and in elementary school was a picture book called The Judge by Margot and Hugo Zemick. One reason I liked it is because I could always find it on the shelf because it was one of the only Zs in the library. The other reason is because it's just a delightful story. Stories that have repetitive and a rhyming type words are something that's just so engaging. The other thing I love about this story is it really doesn't have a point. It doesn't have a moral and it doesn't teach us a darn thing. And it's wonderful. It's the story of this judge and these prisoners come in one by one and tell the judge what they plead to the judge, their case. And each each prisoner talks about that there's, there's a monster coming. And they say there's a horrible thing coming this way, creeping closer day by day. Its eyes are scary. Its tail is hairy. Its paws have claws. It snaps its jaws. It growls. It groans. It chews up stones. I tell you, Judge, we all better pray. So I suggest that you go and get the Judge by uh, Hugo and Margot Zemick if you want to see what happens in the end. So one of my favorite books um, is has been my favorite book since just a young girl. It's called A Tale of a Fourth Grade Nothing by Judy Bloom. And um, just to give some perspective on why it's such a, a book that I enjoy so much is that I am an only child, and this book is about a family. And this isn't just about, you know, just the regular family. This family has drama, and, um, and I just love how the parents interact with the kids. And so the older brother is Peter Hatcher. And then all of a sudden his mom discovers she's pregnant and has to tell Peter that they're going to have another brother. And, and the brother comes along and, and his name is Farley Drexel Hatcher. But everyone calls him Fudge because that's what his mom calls him. And that's his, that's his nickname. And she's like, oh, Fudgy, you can't do this. And, and, and Peter really is like, oh, really, Mom? I just can't handle this anymore. And, and it goes on through... Uh, their relationship together and how the older brother has to deal with the younger brother. And, you know, like most siblings, the younger brother is into the older brother stuff. And and there's a part where, um, where Fudge decides to uh, cut his bangs and kind of how the brother and the, and the mom deal with that. And then um, Fudge goes to the park and decides to learn how to fly. And so he jumps off the monkey bars and loses his two front teeth. And this book is all about um, 
about a family and what family life can be and just all the drama that comes with it. And and I think it's really funny because you you get to see real I I think that's how families really interact with each other. You can see just how funny how they treat each other and and just really what really happens behind the scenes in a family and um, and I've always enjoyed that, uh, especially as a young girl, that I always wished to have a brother. I always wanted a brother. I would ask my mom, can I have a brother? Can I have a brother? Uh, I still remember being 12 and asking my mom after my parents had divorced, can I still have a brother? And she just rolled her eyes at me like, really, Michelle? Like, come on. Um, and I think that um, it's a really fun book to read to, to kind of see what, what your family life really could be like. Two moms, Mary Warner and Michelle Wages, sharing some of their favorite children's books. Thanks for listening to Worlds Awaiting. Tune in Saturdays at 1.30 p.m. and weekdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on BYU Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 143, on the TuneIn app and at byuradio.org.